Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Azure. This episode is sponsored by Solvetto. Continuous learning is the driver for success, growth, and well-being. Learn or expire, and keep your Azure skills up to date. Act now by going to solvetto.fi slash pro. I'm Tobias. I'm back again with UC. What's up? Hey, Toby. Uh, back from the holidays, and one of my boys requested a specific Christmas present this past Christmas. He wanted to get a muscle hammer gun, or I think it's called a muscle care hammer, but but you sort of get the idea. So it, it looks like a drill, like a power drill. It operates with battery, and, and what it literally does, it drills on the muscle with, with this soft, uh, sort of a pointy end. And so I got that for him. He was immensely happy, and I've had a chance to use it a few times now, and and it's amazing. I think they use the same sort of device in, in physiotherapy as well, if you make an appointment. But now I have it at home. The battery seems to last forever. And, and there's different power settings uh, from 1 to 10, I think. And I'm using it on 2 now. And, and, and it's super powerful. So anytime in the future, if you hear a drilling sound in the future when we are recording, that <laughs> would be me and my muscle care hammer doing the work. Yeah, I, I really love those. I, I got one for uh, my partner as well, and she absolutely loves it. You know, the downside, of course, is that every evening after we put the kids to, to bed, she's like, all right, I brought the hammer. You know, my legs need the attention. My back needs this and that. And <laughs> yeah. you just have to spend all that time doing that. But it's it's pretty nice. And I've used it as well because I, I do my road biking and my mountain biking. And after a, uh, a good workout, it's pretty nice to, you know, get your food and then just uh, smash the muscles with uh, some of that. So yeah, definitely recommend it. It's it's super nice. So on my side, I spent the morning today working from a local coffee shop. And uh, last week, I visited two co-working offices to see if they have some suitable options for spending one or two days a week for remote work. So I've been working from home for about eight years. And mostly that has not been a problem. But since I stopped going to conferences to speak and also to attend, and then during the pandemic, when you couldn't go to the office or a cafe very easily, things changed because it went from, all right, I'm working from home, you know, full time, and I can conveniently go whenever I want to a cafe or to a friend's office or something like that. But during the pandemic, that kind of changed and I never got back to that. So I, I still miss the people and the vibe, vibe of like a populated office or a crowded cafe. I don't need to work on the same things about other people in that place, but it's nice to have that you know, casual conversation over a cup of coffee in person with someone as opposed to the random coffee calls over Teams. So like staying a bit analog. So we'll see now in the coming weeks if I can find a good and suitable option for uh, working away from home for a couple of days a week. Um, you know, ideally every now and then you you take the morning from the office or, or the co-working space uh, or take a full day, one or two days a week. And, and that's enough for me. I just want to get the the vibe of the, the, you know, the social aspect of meeting people again. And I didn't get to do that because I spend every day working from home. I really like working in a cafe. Uh, the co-working space, yeah, possibly because you get the people, but the cafe is super nice because you can just zone out and do your thing on the laptop. And, and you oh. always get the, the good coffee if you go to the coffee shop. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, today, a look at Microsoft Entra Verified ID. And this is this is probably something I think not many in the audience 
have been using it. It's been around for a number of months now. I, I think it's still in preview. And it's a service which is part of Microsoft Entra. And Microsoft Entra is the marketing brand that includes Azure AD and Entra Verified ID and so on. So now that we sort of get started with this, Toby, have you had a chance to use the service in, in real life? Have you been exposed to this previously? I have not. Uh, I've taken a look at it. I understand the concepts and I, I really love the the idea here that you own your ID and you can you have the, the um, issuer, which is the, the one issuing the actual idea and the identity. And then you have the verifiers, which is like this is a bit decentralized uh, is my understanding. And you have the verifiers. So you can say that this is my ID. Here's my issuer. And then you have a a verifier going and say, hey, I'm going to verify that this identity is authentic, which means you don't have to hand over your full credentials or a copy of your uh, billing statement or your a copy of your driver license. Instead, the the service, if they're using an API or if, if the actual service you're interacting with supports the verify uh, ID approach, they can just ask, are you over 18? Right. And then the verify process would say yes or no or true or false. So, I mean, I've I understand the concept. I've taken a look at it, but I have not had a chance to to use it myself because, um, you know, my my personal work tenant is a, a one person shop, so I didn't really have a a look at that yet. But I will take a look and see if there's a reason for me to do that, even if I'm a one man band in in terms of my personal identity, because that is tied to banks, to car rental places, to airlines, to all kinds of, you know, social logins and social media. And I'm using the same email or at least the same domain with multiple emails uh, for a lot of stuff in my in my life, not just for work. So I'm definitely going to take a look to see what's supported there. But the short answer is, no, I don't have much experience using this myself. What about you? So I've set up maybe two prototypes around this. But that's that's been mostly to to get to understand this with a, with a couple of customers and and it's not a super clear proposition on on what you're actually setting up here. So the service uh, Microsoft Entra Verified ID it used to be called Azure Active Directory Verifiable Credentials, and I did dig up one sentence on how to best describe this. Because it's it's a bit like if you try to describe something like an NFT to somebody, it's <laughs> it's not something tangible. So so it it's a bit of a challenge to try to explain that briefly. So the one sentence that I could come up with for Microsoft Entra Verified ID is that it's a decentralized identity solution that utilizes Azure and the blockchain for providing new opportunities for individuals and organizations. A bit fluffy, yes, a bit of marketing in there, but decentralized identity utilizing Azure and blockchain. I, I, I think that's the key here. Would, would you agree on this one? Yeah, I, I think a high level, like decentralized um, issuers and, and verifiers and having the, the ID as your kind of central, like the credential is you, um, and, and then you have different ways of verifying that. And I, I love this, like the capabilities here is that you can like issue and verify workplace credentials and your education status, certifications, or any type of unique identity attributes 
with verified ID. And I think that's kind of the key part that sticks out to me that you can identify not just, hey, you are UZ Royan and here's your full birth certificate kind of thing, but you know, any unique identity attributes as well. So coming back to what I said before, I, I watched one of the launch videos uh, for verified idea and they and they had an example saying, well, what if uh, the car rental company needs to understand that you have a valid driver's license and they need to understand if you're of legal age and you know all this stuff. And they can ask to this API, they can ask, does this individual who is now authenticated and verified, does this individual have a driver's license and is at least, I don't know, 25 years old? Maybe that's the policy for them to, to, to lend a car to you. Then you can just get a true and false. So you don't have to hand out all your personal data. So it's also a way, uh, if utilizing this the right way, there's also a way for you to protect your sensitive data and not just as you go to a hotel back in the day, and I, I think this is still the thing, you copy your entire passport and that goes into their, you know, their system somewhere. You don't know. It has all your details about everything in your life. Uh, so I think this is a, a good step in the direction of, of really being more selective um, of that. And like you can create an issue credentials using the Entra verified ID portal, uh, which is pretty, pretty easy. And one thing that I also figured is you're in control of suspending or invalidating credentials as well. So you can kind of revoke or suspend active verified status of any individual's credential uh, while still allowing the like invalidated credential to remain in their possession. So, you know, whoever you verify with and you say, well, I verify with this, this is my credential. The credential is still owned by you. And you can then say, well, I'm going to suspend it. Or someone else can say, well, we are going to suspend the credential, but you still own the credential. So there, there's a few angles to that. Just this is top of mind. I, again, no experience with it. I've just taken a look at the concept, but I, I, it's real about like helping people control their digital identity. And I think this is based on open standards, right? Like open idea and, and things like that. So yeah, super cool. I love this uh, idea of, of having this decentralized and I'm, I'm really looking forward to see like in a year from now, if we take a look back at this, where are we going to be with with this because i i don't want to hear the marketing stuff i don't want to hear the pms from microsoft come and say well this is what the product does what i want to hear in a year from now is how organizations and individuals are using this like what is the benefit that we see in the field from this that's kind of the stories that i want to collect so i'm, I'm going to put a pin uh, in the calendar as a note in about a year from now and we'll revisit this and we'll have someone on board to talk about how their experiences with you know, verify ideas and credentials are from the field, because that's something that I'm really looking forward to see how that works. I really like your thinking here, and this is reminding me of, of maybe 10, 15 years ago when we were busy setting up the AD Federation services at the time, because that was the time that you wanted to federate your accounts, your user objects and groups with Azure AD. So you would typically have an on-premises AD, you would federate those with Azure AD, and whenever somebody would authenticate, you would verify back through the ADFS. So you had the concept of an identity provider, which would be both AD and Azure AD, and then you would have the relying party, and Azure AD would typically be the relying party in there. And now with Entra Verified ID, I feel this is the same, but this is more for individuals, but also for businesses. So within the service, 
there, there's no setting if you're using this as a consumer or if you're using this as a business. The problem that I think will happen is if, if we take an analog, you're possibly using Spotify to stream your music and podcasts and news. So if somebody said to you, you could self-host your own streaming solution, uh, you just need the content, you need to set it up, you need to manage, you need to maintain, you need to secure that. I don't know too many people who would like to do that anymore because it's so convenient to use Spotify or, or Apple Music or, or YouTube Music and what have you. I feel the same problem is here. We are so used to logging in, in with a Microsoft account, Facebook login, Google login, Apple ID, uh, what have you, as ready account, that having yet another, even if it's decentralized, for majority of the people, it's not something they they are looking for. They don't want to manage anything themselves. They just want to get a working system. So let's skip sort of the marketing bits here and, and start looking at, at the core concept of Entroverified ID. And, and the core concept is the decentralized identity. And that requires something called a trust system. That's the underlying network that both the issuer and the verifier would need to connect with. So in a way, you could say that Azure AD has been the trust system for us now, but now we need a different type of a trust system. And there's two options to choose from initially. Obviously, you can do whatever else you like, but these are sort of built in. The first one is the blockchain-based one, identity overlay network, the ION. The other one is the decentralized ID web, which is a non-blockchain system. So that's based on the web domain's reputation of the, of the issuer on, on how reputable the domain is. When I set up the, the two prototypes myself, I used the ION one because I wanted to see how blockchain works. But I'm, I'm not sure if there's anything else beyond the decentralized identity than having the trust system and then moving on to decentralized uh, identifiers to actually create the IDs and having a verifiable credential in between to work between the issuer and the verifier. Anything you can think on top of this? Nothing that comes to mind, I, but I really like this, um, like elaborating on this trust system a bit. Like there's a, this underlying network of how things work because it, like we talked about before, you reach out to the issuer and you say, hey, I'm an employee. And, um, you know, the verifier says, well, are you actually an employee? And they verify the credentials. And, you know, the option here that you have the block blockchain-based identity overlay network is also an interesting aspect where we can see like a real application of, of the blockchain as opposed to just cryptocurrencies, which is still, I guess, the, the main kind of use case for most of the blockchain things that we see around the globe you know, in combination with all the Web3 things that we're seeing now. So I, I really like this aspect of, you know, how the trust system can work. And also like the uh, the DIT web, uh, which is a non-blockchain system. Uh, it's interesting that it's based on the web domain's reputation, because I, I recently saw an attack on, some, you know, a popular domain where they got the domain reputation lower because they infused a lot of backlinks to that domain with crap data from you know thousands of 
really bad domains. So the backlinks they received were from uh, spam domains, lowering their own SEO or like the score. So the domain reputation actually suffered from that. So I wonder if there's a, a, like a baseline. What happens if the domain reputation falls below a specific threshold? And is that always in your control? And this is just, you know, food for thought, something to think about, something to look into. But I, I like this. You know, if you have a trusted domain, I think the Microsoft domain is like 99 out of 100 or even at 100 domain reputations. So it's one of the, the top domain reputations you can have. And, you know, all the big providers have that. So I, I don't see a big problem if, if you're using a domain like that. But, you know, I would look into that if, you know, the domain reputation is a basis for for that base that trust system i would take a look at that just to make sure that if you're now signing up your small organization and you have 12 in domain reputation out of 100 or whatever or domain authority i don't know exactly what it's based on then it might be interesting to understand like is there a baseline and how will that affect your id will that you know be challenged at some point saying well your domain is actually not trusted enough where do you draw the line for that trust so again food for thoughts, something to look into. And again, this is where I want in a year from now to come back and, and have spoken to a few smaller companies and bigger companies and say, hey, how does that actually work? Because right now it's so new, so fresh that we, we don't have these stories from the field. We know some people using this, but we don't have the real stories from the widespread usage in the field. And that's, I'm really looking forward to that. I, I like that that you're sort of setting us up for the future to have a look at this again, maybe in 52 episodes from today, which is fine. But if you recall back to uh, an episode we did on Azure Farmbeats, I think that service no <laughs> longer exists. <laughs> and we were so stoked, so excited about that opportunity. But yeah. let's hope the same does not happen for this one. So, okay, so the decentralized identity, when you said that up, uh, you select a trust system, uh, the identity overlay network ion or DID web. Once you commit to the selection, you cannot change that later on unless you reprovision or recreate the setup again. And then you get to the verifiable credentials service. So this is the Azure AD bits of the centralized or the decentralized ID capability. So to set this up, it's, it's fairly simple. Uh, you are going to need to provision a key vault and you're going to need to provision the setup under Azure portal for verified ID to say what's your domain, what's your service endpoint. So it could be contact.com and the service endpoint would be underneath there. And the, the Azure uh, AD app registration is needed so that it can fetch the secrets from key vault to sign any any of those attestations about the subject. So let's say I am going to the gym and the gym is someplace I haven't been to before and they are asking me to 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 provide uh, my decentralized identity in the form of a verifiable credential. And I would say, well, it's actually this email address. And from there, they would go to the trust system to check what my claim is. My claim is that my first name is this one, my, my last name is that one, and, and I know what to do at the gym. So they will check against those, and the issuer, which could be my own company or some, somebody else, would then attest or testify and prove that the information in the subject is, is valid, true 
the trust system. What I need is the key vault. I need the Azure AD app registration. I need the configuration in verified ID. This takes two minutes to configure. There's not much happening in there, but nothing happens after this one. So in, in order to actually start handing out the verifiable credential so that you manage this, you need to configure the claims. So these are JSON files where you exclaim that my claim would be first name and last name and Shushai's or whatever. So it's it's almost the same as what we did back in the day, again, with ADFS and SAML at the time. So we would have SAML tokens and those tokens would have claims and we would augment those claims with, with whatever attributes. This is almost the same thing, even if it's a different technology, but the idea is the same. And the last bit you need, you need a web application to allow yourself to get the verifiable credential and you need a REST endpoint for the gym or the business who needs to verify your identity to connect and check against those claims. So this can be a web app and, and there's a sample web app from Microsoft on ASP.NET Core that spins it up for you if you want to try it out. And finally, the last bit, the users will use Microsoft Authenticator on the mobile phone to both create the verifiable credentials, but also to confirm that those would be used. Does, it make, does this make sense? And I know there's a lot of moving parts, but in essence, it's fairly simple. Yeah, I think like from a user and admin perspective, it's it's pretty straightforward to get started. And what I what I saw, I, I saw a video, which I think is again when when they launched this, I saw a video on the experience of the user where you get a ping on your phone saying, "Hey, someone is requesting information. Do you want to hand out this information, or do you want to show them, you know, your identity?" And then it says there's like a, a selective portion of your identity required, like the claims maybe. And uh, like you mentioned, maybe your shoe size, or maybe are you above 18 years or, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever the criteria that they're requesting are. And then you can just say, I approve this uh, to, you know, to this asking company, they, they want to know this information about me. And then you can just say, well, I'm okay with handing that out. And then all of a sudden using the trust system, you have verified to them through the verifier and, and the issuer together in this decentralized kind of model and the trust system that you are who you say you are, which means you don't need to have one login and one credential for the bank and one for the car rental company, one for the airport and one for your uh, stock purchasing uh, apps and one for uh, the library, well, you know, whatever kind of system support these different things. Um, and I, I saw someone explaining this in, in another video recently as well, which is a, a very nice, interesting concept where imagine you're traveling a lot and you're, um, you land at you know whatever airport and you always used one of the the big companies for car rentals and every time you have to go there standing line you have to sign a long form uh you know saying i accept all the risk and i do this and this and i want insurance or i don't want insurance and this and that and then they have to take a copy of your driver's license and you have to stand in line for a little bit longer and they have to do some things with that and store that in their file system and all this stuff now someone brought up that Here's a perfect use case for, you know, this kind of decentralized uh, ID and, and using a verified ID where you'd land your plane, you go to the self-service pickup where you identify 
and sign the contract digitally with your verified identity. You do that from the phone and say, click, 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 I'm done. I verified my identity to the car leasing company. You have NFC, you have the chip in your phone. You can just hold that up against the key box and you get the key to that one car that you already signed up for. Uh, so you sign the contract on the spot in your phone. You get the cars using cell service just with a chip in your phone. You get the keys and you drive off. So you can do that entire cycle without actually having to stand in line, having to hand over your actual driver's license and all the credentials again, and they need to take a copy of that. And then, you know, because we've all been there. If if you've traveled a lot, you've rented a lot of cars, you know, by now, I know that my driver's license, which since has expired, of course, but over the years, that driver's license has been copied at least 25 times in different countries and stored in different places. So my identity is like all over the place and it's going to be there forever, probably. It's out of my control. So I think this is like with that use case in mind, this is where we can really make a change for the future and for future generations as well. Uh, because all the things we see online today in the headlines, if you watch IT news is cyber incident, cyber incident, data breach, uh, you know, credential leak. And, and this will continue happening, you know, it will continue like, uh, and it's probably going to be more and more. It's going to increase. We've seen security become, you know, top priority, like priority number one for most organizations. And I think we're going to stay there, um, you know, as as we move forward. So this is a super healthy step in the right direction of minimizing the kind of amount of information you put out there as well. So coming back to this use case, I would feel as a user and as an owner of my personal information, I would feel a lot more secure, uh, you know, even if it's a false sense of security in, in some ways, I would feel a lot more secure handing out only the very minimal required data to the car leasing company, which says has valid driver's license. Yes. Uh, is above 25 years. Yes. And whatever else they need, um, you know, that's cool, but they don't need to get a full copy of my uh, driver's license and store that in a paper in their box office downtown in one of the airports. So I, I really like these ideas. Again, playing with the thought here, food for thoughts on how to use this. But I, I do see that there's a huge opportunity for the world to really sharpen kind of the lines and the barriers between what personal information we actually have to share versus what is the minimal viable information that I can share, but still prove that I am you know, I am verifying my credentials. I have been verified by this third party. This individual says uh, he is Yusuf Roine and the system verified he is Yusuf Roine without giving all the data and all the personal information out to every single company you come across. Super cool uh, train of thought here. I have a lot of ideas for how this can be used, but again, I, I don't actually work with this. I just have my use cases and my ideas. So. Again, I'm going to put a pin in the in the you know a note for the future, a pin in the calendar, saying you know let's revisit this when we have spoken to individuals and companies that actually use this in production uh, every day, where it really greatly benefited them, because that's kind of the story I want to hear, and also about the failures, like someone rolled this out and it doesn't work anywhere because nobody supports it. I don't know. That's that's kind of the stuff I want to hear. But again, it will take at least a year from now maybe two years until we get the real, uh, you know, the, the wider landscape of how things actually work or, or doesn't work.
it's definitely an interesting service. It, it doesn't replace regular Azure AD usage. You're still going to need that. So even if you set this up, you can set this up without Azure AD, without Azure. You can self-host everything. But obviously, you need the access to a trust system, whichever you choose to use. If you choose to do your own trust system, yes, you can trust that one. But is anybody else going to trust the same system? Probably not. So you already mentioned a lot of interesting use cases. I, I think this will be most useful for web apps and similar scenarios where the user really needs and wants to bring their own identity. So Azure AD, B2C and B2B would still coexist uh, besides this one. And as you said, it's still very early days. I haven't seen this in production anywhere. And it probably takes a year or two to really sort of flesh out the use cases for this. I wouldn't be too surprised if these capabilities would later merge back to Azure AD so that it, it wouldn't be like a separate service in the sense. But at the same time, I feel there's this possibility for this to branch out to a totally different service at the same time. For for now, it's it's an API. It's it's the, the integration with the trust system. And it's the idea of what you can build on top of this. And, and that's that's really it. So you need to integrate, you need to build around this. It's not something you simply click and choose to use today. All righty. I think we've sort of exhausted our, our knowledge and, and, and ideas on the Entra Verified ID. Let's definitely revisit this maybe a year from now to see what has happened since the last time we took a look. We'll add in the show notes. Uh, there's an interesting white paper on this one from Microsoft and also the guidance on how you can set this up yourself. It takes about an hour to get it up and running, and then you can have your own verifiable credentials your own self-hosted web app that works together with the Microsoft Authenticator. It's it's a nice little lab if you want to see how this works out. Alrighty, the last bit, the unexpected question. Toby, this week it is your turn to ask me. All right, so so here's a question that I've been thinking about. Uh, don't ask me why. What is something that everyone looks stupid doing? Good question. I often feel that if there's something I'm incapable of doing, then I might be looking stupid if I'm trying to do that. So obviously I'm reflecting that everybody else thinks the same, right? So so for me, dancing definitely makes me look like a frog in the blender. So I feel that not everybody else looks stupid doing that. But when they're learning out, they will probably feel or look stupid. At least they will feel like that. So that will be my final answer. All right. Ah, cool. Good. I'm already settled for that. <laughs> All righty. Thank you for tuning in. We'll have a fresh episode for you again next week on Wednesday. Bye-bye. See you then.